0: It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now,
2: Stan! some noise for your host, Joe
1: Jacob.
0: What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got George.
1: What's up, what's up, guys?
0: And we got Orchard.
1: What's up, Pete Nation?
0: All right, so to begin today's episode, let's talk about how the Heat began their second-round series against Philly with the W. as the Heat took care of business against the Sixers. Leading the way for Miami, you got Tyler Hero with 25 points, 4 triples, and 7 assists. Bam Adebayo with 24 points while being 8 of 10 from the field. He also had 12 rebounds and 4 assists. Jimmy Butler with 15 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. PJ Tucker with ten points and seven rebounds of his own, and Gabe Vincent with ten points, three rebounds, and three assists. With the Heat starting the series off on a great note, what's everyone's reactions to watching the Heat win this first game? Start us off, George.
2: Yeah, huge game. Really, really was the tone setter for us. We had um, we have a lot of pressure on our on our um on our shoulders with with them beat out to really get these games under our belt because we uh. You know we don't know when he's going to come back, but we want to be in the best position when he does. But you know after a subpar first half, we came back and and outscored them in the second half, fifty six to forty one. So that's a that's a very good effort. It gets the team that that you know is hungry for. They've got championship aspirations as well. But you know we ended up playing playing some of our best basketball in the second half. A lot of the guys stepped up. A lot of people that we needed to step up stepped up with, the, with um with Kyle Lowry out. It's been something of a um of a struggle when he's been out. We we really rely on his playmaking and when he's not there we really do feel it. But once the team gets it going and 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 really you know place their strengths, it, there's nothing wrong. You know, th- there's nothing wrong with playing the way we do. And when you've got Tyler Hero dropping twenty five off fifty three percent shooting, you got aggressive BAM shooting eight from ten. It's it's just a really, really really uh, you know, r- real godsend to have those players come out for us, even when Jimmy wasn't having the best offensive night. We weren't having the best offensive night. We were shot 25% from three and we still won by 15, uh, 14. So it is what it is, you know. We we played well, we deserved to the win. They uh they had some good, good performers themselves, but not their team effort was quite low, in my opinion. They had nice stretches in the first half and the second half, they just couldn't they couldn't haul us, they couldn't handle us, and we we ended up taking the W.
1: Right, and you, Orchard? Man, this was a roller coaster of a game, I must say. But first off, I mean, I'm extremely happy that we took game one of the series. And especially, you know, you love to, I mean, everyone loves when their home team wins games. Um, and especially game one, because it gives you great momentum to start the series off. Uh, we had an amazing start to the game. We, I think we started off 18 to 6. But, you know, after that, I, we were we we're starting to collapse a little bit. And especially in the second quarter, that second quarter was extremely hard to watch. (laughs) Kind of made me miss Kyle. I mean, I miss Kyle Lowry so much. But, you know, when you watch that second quarter, that that was I really was hoped uh, he would be on the floor. And, you know, prayers that he does better and comes back soon. But I mean, we had 10 turnovers in the first half and obviously we blew our lead and the Sixers took a one point lead at the end of the half. But that second half was a complete turnaround and just doesn't surprise me. I I remember I was reading a bunch of chats after the first half ended and a lot of people (laughs) were worried that we blew the lead. But I'm like, I I feel like especially in the playoffs, Miami's been that type of team where they kind of go a little slow in the second quarter. And I I think they did it a couple of times against the Hawks last series where they had a bit of a slow first half. But in the third quarter, they really turned it up. And some fourth quarter they struggled and the others they were able to close out. And that's exactly what happened. Um, And I think a big reason for that was that we didn't turn the ball over that much in the second half. I believe we had only one turnover in the second half, which was a shot clock violation at the end of the game. Uh, Hero and Bam were a lot more confident. I mean, definitely compared to last series Uh, and Jimmy Butler, he obviously had a bit like Georgia saying, had a poor offensive game with only 15 points. And I, I saw that he got his wrist wrapped around. I don't know if he got injured there or not, but you know, it's fine. It's fine by me because Bam and Tyler both stepped up and Jimmy carried us throughout the Hawks series. So it's only fair that he gets to have a bit of a poor game and we can still win the game. P.J. Tucker was also amazing. He grabbed seven rebounds and five of them were, five of them were offensive rebounds. I just absolutely love P.J. Tucker. His, I mean, he does everything for us. He can generate offense when he hits those corner threes. I love his floaters. And again, like I said before, his effort of getting offensive rebounds, I feel like he's a lot more aggressive than a lot of uh, other people on the floor. And he he definitely fits heat culture. Um, Our three-point shooting, on the other hand, was a little bit – was a big big concern for us. We shot 25%. But honestly – it was a concern, and I hope we can resolve that. But because the Sixers also shot pretty bad from three, because I believe they only hit six threes on 17% shooting, it wasn't really that big of a concern for me because they kind of cancel out. And I think one of the reasons that three-point shooting has been struggling is because Lowry's out. I, if you look at a pattern and since Kyle's been out, we've actually hit a lot less three-pointers. And, I mean, I just think that's the, that just comes with the fact that Lowry, how important Lowry is to our team and generating offense, and, uh, you know, besides that, I think making our free throws is also extremely critical. I think free throws are one of the most important things because sometimes at the end of games, it can be just you, you look back and you're like, if he had made these many free throws, he would have won the game. And we only missed one free throw. So I was really happy with that. Struce had a bit of a below average game. I uh, would have liked to see him score more. But I think for me, I, I like the part that he held Harden into one to five shooting when he was on Harden. So. I I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Miami's defense. Um, you know, I think the biggest concern for us at the moment and throughout the series is going to be Tyrese Maxey, of course, assuming Embiid doesn't come back. We held Maxey to under 20 points. So I, I'm really happy with that. I hope we can keep up that defensive effort. There were a lot of easy buckets I think he got that we could have prevented, but if we're keeping him under 20 points, that, that is enough for me. And then James Harden, we also held under 20 points. And I, I saw a lot of analysts saying that he was going to score like 27 plus. So I love to see Miami proving the analysts wrong. And we also, this, this might not say, seem as critical, but we also ha- held Korkmaz to and, and Niang to, I believe, three points combined. I believe Niang scored zero, Korkma's three. I feel like both those guys are those guys can just suddenly become random heat killers and I really thought that Niang angle was gonna go off against us but hey he scored zero points and I can't remember the. Line. I was looking at his stats and I don't think he scored like zero points in a very long time so overall again another roller coaster of a game a lot of lot of things a lot of doubt we had a lot of uh, bad moments and a lot of great moments and thankfully we we're able to have more great moments and take the win
0: right and you know to go back on that point you made about um jimmy like not um having that game that we saw in that series against atlanta you know what was so cool about it was the fact that he didn't get to play at all in that fourth quarter you know it was just good to see him relax and let the team take care of business and george i know you got something
2: you want to add yeah no it's it's i wanted to really focus on the um you know on on the philly side of the ball They they really they really go towards that foul baiting type of play where they where they drive hard most of the possessions if they can't find that open three and they chuck their bodies at the defender and they try to to you know muster as many calls as possible and that's not it's not the way you win a championship and i'm not saying it's it's the un you know unkind way of winning it i'm saying that that's not going to win you a championship at all without mb they look lost most of the time and it's a game of runs people were losing their minds when it was 50 to 51 to 50 at halftime it's a game of, of runs. We were up by 15 earlier in that quarter, 14 earlier in that quarter. I'll um, oh, say in, in that half. And you know, the way that people react is just, it's unbearable sometimes, but that's, that's just another story for another day. It's a game of runs. You, you you need to really buckle down. You could be down eight. You could be down 10, uh, you know, with, with eight minutes left and the, the game could swing. It's the way it is. People look towards the, uh, you know, a time where a 15 point lead with, six to eight minutes left is a sure done deal and it's not we're we're, we're way beyond beyond that where we're, we're the the three balls so predominant but if you're looking at philly tobias harris had an amazing game really he did 11 of 18 he really does like to to you know take it to us in that way you know and and really put up defenders under pressure taking that mid-range and and shooting for, you know he only shot one from four but that three, I remember that three, and it was quite demoralizing at the time. But he's going to have to perform, perform, perform for them while Embiid's off the floor all the time. So is Tyrese Maxi's so always hardened, and that still might not be enough. They've got one of the worst benches in the NBA. And remaining, they've got the worst bench out of any team remaining right now. So, look, it's it's going to be, from here on out, trying to limit their you know three stars as much as, as, as they can. Tyrese maxi has got this explosive first step which really gives us trouble. Um, it did in the past. He only had 19 yesterday and went, you know, his plus minus was negative 25. So negative on defense, negative on defense for Harden as well. Um, and Harris. But look, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to, if Embiid's out for the series, we shouldn't be able to sweep this team. We really, really shouldn't. But if you're looking back on our side as well, with Jimmy Butler having the biggest game, he, he played more of the role of, um, baiting the defense to believing that he was trying to have that that massive massive game and look he shot for sixteen shots there's no doubt he was trying to go for a you know a high scoring game but the fact that Bam and Tyler were able to get going off the back of that is just is perfect for us because if we have another game where Bam went you know fourteen and six and um and Tyler had you know a really in, in, inefficient shooting night we would have been in the dumps really really bad like bad bad badly but. Tyler's playmaking really, really showed out for us as well because he he was responsible for so many points in the time that we needed him to score, and when he passes the ball like that with Kyle Lowry out, it just shows why he's the best you know the best six man in the NBA, and he's he's one of the most up and coming young young guards in the league. So you know, big props to them. We have got a lot of work to do, but it's going to be you know a fun series nonetheless.
0: Right. And, you know, just what a game, to be honest, like and I want to quickly go back to Tyler and Bam because, you know, we look at them as the future of this team. And, you know, I know a lot of fans wanted them to come out strong for this series after seeing them struggle a bit against Atlanta. So when revisiting the game, what impresses you guys the most about these two's performances? You can start us off,
1: uh, Orchard. I mean, obviously, they both kind of struggled in round one. I'd say, especially Tyler, because uh, see, when I when I think of Bam struggling, I feel like his kind of his solution is he needs to be a little more aggressive, take more mid range shots. But with Hero, it's a little more different because he he has he draws a lot more defenders, he has to take a lot more tougher shots. And I'm not trying to discredit Bam in any way. Don't get me wrong. I think they both had their struggles in round one. And I think the important part about it is just, just forgetting about the past, move on, and get do what you need to win. And they both definitely did that. Uh, you know, Hero, I, you could kind of tell. Uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I could just kind of tell at the start of the game, he seemed more hesitant to shoot. Like, I saw him passing a couple of uh, good looks he had. But I think he just he just needed to get that spark. Once he got that spark, it was it, that was it. He hit a couple shots, and after that, I think – he, he was he just couldn't he be stopped he was shooting from really long range and I think that was one of the big things that he was really struggling with then against Atlanta was his three-point shooting whether it was contested or open and the fact that he went from that to this series where he's <laughs> hitting super long threes kind of gives me vibes so when he was playing in his rookie season against Boston I kind of got that vibe from this, from this game so I really like to see that and I actually read that Tyler outscored Philly's bench. I think it was like twenty five, or I think he scored twenty seven. So like twenty seven to twenty five, and that's absolutely amazing. I mean, I just need, I just need NBA to announce the Sixth Man of the Year award already. And I, the, the big thing is Tyler's growth. I mean, last year, see statistically, you if you look at it, he didn't really struggle. He had a lot better season than his rookie season. But we all, if you watch the game, we knew that he was definitely off. He wasn't the hero that we knew he was. And I think this year, his growth from last year has really helped him become more confident. I feel like last year, if Hero had struggled in round one and we had supposed passed on, went past the Bucks and went on to round two, I think Hero would have still struggled. But I think his development off into the offseason has, you know, helped him become more confident and he lets go. He, he's able to overcome his struggles better. And you know, I, I in, in terms of Bam, he there's no one on that team that can guard him. I think the biggest the biggest person that can hold him back is Embiid, and he's not playing. So I think Bam recognized that well, took advantage of it, and had his best game this season so far.
0: Right. Sorry, season. it's just such a good thing to see. And you know, you were close, so it's a uh, twenty five to twenty five. So we basically had. Tyler basically had the same amount of points as the 76ers bench, but still impressive because you look at that and it just shows like, first of all, it just shows how poor Philly's depth is right now. And it just shows how elite Tyler has been for the Heat throughout the season, you know, like, as we mentioned before, he didn't have maybe the best series against Atlanta but he showed out, and that's what you love from him. You know, he came out and did his thing. And I think it's also fitting that he did all this while we're just waiting for that six-man-of-the-year announcement to come out soon, because it shouldn't be coming out any day. So we'll see what happens. And, um, George, how about you?
2: Yeah, just put it out there. They, they scored 21 bench points altogether, and that was with Frank Corkmas coming off in, in garbage time and, and putting up nine points. So you take away wow. that, and Charles Bassey, who, who scored two points, that's eleven points off the twenty-one they scored. Really, in the actual game, they scored ten bench points. So it was nothing short of a dominant performance by Hero. But can I just put this out there: this time last year, if I'm not wrong, the Heat, the Heat fan base was absolutely begging, begging for the Heat to move on from Tyler Hero in any capacity. I saw a trade, for some ridiculous, stupid trade where I think it thinking revolved like Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and a first-round pick in the first and second-round pick um, from the Heat and to here to move for Malcolm Brogdon. So, you know, what a way we've come to where he's been one of the best players, not only off the bench, but in our team and, and and one of the best young guards left in the crop right now. So he's been fantastic. But going to Bam quickly, I want to focus on Bam a little bit more. He He has this effect on people where people think he's – because of, you know, all the news that he was supposed to be shooting threes this season. is supposed to be taking a much more of an aggressive stance. Um, people really expect him to have that, uh, that Pascal Siakam sort of confidence move to the rim. Now, the, diff- the big difference between them two is Pascal is the first option on that team. It's not even close. It's Pascal than everybody else. Now, with Bam, Bam is the third option right now. He really, really is. It's Jimmy. Then it's Tyler then it's bam bam likes to take that back seat and it's but when when he likes to turn it on he will and he does so people need to stop pushing him to do all this stuff that he he doesn't he doesn't have the ability to do because the ball's on his hands in his hands half the time now it's different when they're asking for those plays to start passing him the ball and getting getting him more involved i agree with that i think that's that's a, a, the best scenario moving forward he should be our second option at any point in time but until the coaches make that decision and, and, and implement those those type of plays with him, we won't see that type of production. But until then, we're going to enjoy it as much as possible. Now moving to Tyler Hero. Hero was called by Shaq yesterday the second coming of Mike Miller. Now, I don't think I've heard more disrespect towards Tyler Hero in my entire life. In Mike Miller's tenure in Miami, he averaged, in order, five points, four points, and six points. Now, uh, sorry, five, six, and four points off the bench. Tyler Hero averaged 20, 21, or 22 off the bench this season, and it's not even, you know, he, he outscored him in one season. So I don't know why where he was going with that. I understand what the metaphor was, but could have chosen a better player, <laughs> in my opinion, than, than Mike Miller. But Hero really need needs that kick of they need me they need me and i need to perform now when it came to the atlanta we were blowing them out before he even had to come into the game so i i I really don't think that the urgency was there for him but seeing this team seeing that max is on the other side you know james harden the the player that he was almost traded for apparently and and this is the team that apparently has the best young guard in the nba which is false we have the best young guy in the NBA, and it shows. It really does. Tyler Hero does so much more than Maxi does in every capacity of the game. So uh, enough of the comparisons, talking about him more individually now. Shooting four for six, nine for 17 on a day that we shot, you know, 25% from three is, is not easy. You were you called on to, to carry the offense. But the problem with Tyler Hero I have is, and a lot of people have the same problem with him, he really does struggle on the defensive side of the ball, really doesn't know something, you know, because he's so young still, he doesn't really understand the importance of that defense um, as much as he tries, because he definitely tries, but he needs to be a bit smarter on defense. He really gets lost on switches, um, doesn't close out fast enough, and also he's just a, he's a smaller body, so he really couldn't impose his will as much as another defender could like PJ Tucker or, you know, even even Gabe Vincent or Max Struess, who really are flourishing defensively. But as long as Hero's putting up 25 points a game, that's that's extremely impressive. So, you know, big big ups to Tyler. Hopefully he can bring it for game two. I have no doubt he will. But you know, it's it's going to be more interesting from here on out.
0: Right. And like I said before, you love to see it because Bam and Tyler, you know, you're talking about the future of this organization. So to see those two, you know, have great games and it's just something nice to see. And then I know you brought up, George, about the whole Mike Miller comparison. It's it's funny to look at it because, you know what, I, I love Shaq, I really do. And, you know, shout outs to him for helping us get that ring in 06. But I feel like he just doesn't know too much about the Heat, which is kind of sad because I know he is part of that national media squad. But, you know, it's just so it's, I really don't know what to make of it because for him to compare Tyler to Mike Miller of all people, and it's no diss to Mike Miller because we know, we know how much of a heat legend he is to us, especially in that 2013 finals, but it's just kind of crazy to think about. That's one thing. And then second of all, you know, it just goes to show how people are still going to diss Tyler and still going to diss this team, heat legend or not. So overall, it's just you're just going to have to deal with it at this point just but overall i can't wait to see what bam and tyler does throughout this series because especially if deandre jordan is going to keep playing because you know if, if you guys didn't hear doc rivers basically went out and said that he's still fine with starting um, deandre and giving him minutes so if he, if he wants to put him out there and let bam treat him like he's nothing more but barbecue chicken by all means necessary, leave him on the floor because I'd love to see more Bam masterpieces in this series. And George, you said you want to add real quick.
2: Yeah, quickly to that point. DeAndre De- De- Jordan went for two for two last night, and the disrespect is ridiculous. He's one of the best up and coming big men in the NBA. And no, I'm just My joking. God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, in all seriousness, he, he he had four points, two rebounds, two assists. Sorry, no assists, two blocks, and still went negative twenty two. So. You know if he wants to put him out then that then on on god l- please please let him play for the love of God, let him play as many minutes, but give him him bead minutes if you if you love him so much but then uh post game we also saw that um uh Paul Reed came out and said that this team will flop
0: that bomb
2: yeah that the guy that that nearly found out um uh, you know no disrespect he's actually not that bad of a player, I really do um. Do do enjoy watching him and he shares the, 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 the name with one of the greatest players of all time, Willie Willie Reed. If you don't remember, then you don't know, you know, you don't know. But uh, he said that if we play our game and we stop turning the ball over, that they'll flop and we'll win. This is the same guy that Doc Rivers said, I'm not about to have a Paul Reed parade. <laughs> your, your head coach doesn't believe in you, and regardless, your head coach is Doc Rivers, so I don't understand what he's talking about, but um if we're looking at you know at the overall move of what the NBA media is to, is, is taking with us, that stance post game we won the game in Miami. Now that calls to talk about the heat in some sort of you know in some sort of way. No, I watched the post game show. It was all about how Philly can get back into the series. Now Kenny, you know, had some you know had some choice words, and Charles Barkley said there's no chance at all. Uh, but at the same time, Charles Barkley couldn't remember two of the people's names, two of the, the players' names. They had just played 10 minutes before that. So I, I don't, I don't even know what to say when it comes to him, but Shaq with Shaq, it's very disappointing because we have such little, little support in that higher up region. And, and it's such a, you know, a blessing when we finally get to get talked about, but even when we're winning a, the playoff game, you know, we're not even getting talked about. I think it's ridiculous. I think it, There's some bias. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's quite sad. So, look, we're just going to deal with it as you know, as we always do. We always put up with it. So, it is what it is. But moving on,
0: Ray and Orchard, what's on your mind?
2: Yeah, I don't want to go
1: in too much in depth about it because it's probably going to take me. It would take me forever to say what I have to say. But you were talking about Doc Rivers, and I just want to point out what Kendrick Perkins said. I know he's not listening to this podcast, but he is absolutely ridiculous. He, I heard what he said. He was like uh, something around Dockers is going to outcoach Eric Spolstra. That was that just honestly that pisses me off. If you if his, I just don't like Doc Rivers, if I'm being honest with you, I feel like he's a bit of an overrated coach. I I feel like he makes a lot of excuses for um, a lot of his losses he's had. I feel like he doesn't treat his players right, and I I just don't think Eric's, I feel like Eric's closer is the complete opposite. He takes ownership for his losses, and he's always supporting his teammates, doesn't try to throw him under the bus, anything like that. I just want to quickly bring that up.
0: No, for sure, because it was so funny, because he mentions James Harden having this masterpiece game, and like, okay, you know, I get it. He's going to be the main guy now with them beat out. So if you honestly believe that, okay. But to say that Doc Rivers of all people, and I understand that he has his ties with Doc because, you know, they were both part of that 08 championship team and everything. But to say that him of all people was going to out-coach Eric Spolstra, like, are you serious? Like, he, he literally could have just stopped after that, James Harden take but he chose to keep going so I don't know and honestly I'm I'm just done with Kendrick Perkins because he's like the definition of Brad's ship. you know he's gonna say whatever makes him sound smart and it's sad because I remember a couple of seasons ago like I was honestly what's the word I'm looking for like I honestly thought the dude was starting to you know embody heat culture the way how he was talking about oh the, the goons from Day county and everything like you were getting hyped from it but now you fast forward and he's here talking about oh this and that and how friggin doc rivers like the fact that he said doc rivers he literally could have said any other coach in the league but he chose doc friggin rivers as a take to say that he would out coach eric spolstra Like, what am I supposed to make of that? You know, so I honestly, I don't even care about national media anymore. It's something that we've talked about for so long on this pod. And obviously it was disappointing to see the ignorance from Shaq as well. But, you know, there's there's nothing we got to do at this point, because at the end of the day, at least we have some smart people in the media that knows what they're talking about. People like JJ Reddick and Tim Legler and all them. And then obviously you got the people from the local media as well. People here from five reasons. So it's better off listening to people like them instead of these people who get paid a lot more money just to talk about the Lakers, the Nets or whatever team that's currently in Cancun right now. But, you know, I don't want to spend all day ranting about that. So Let's just move right on. So let's get into the Heat Muse stat of the game. Um, Before we get into it, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for all Miami Heat stats. His handle is Heat, M-U-S-E. And with that being said, although Max Struess didn't have the best night offensively, his impact to the team in Game 1 was major. Struess was a plus 27 during the game, which was not only the highest plus minus on the Heat, but it also gives Cruz the second best question minus in the playoffs, only being behind Giannis. With all of that being said, what do you guys make of this stat? Give us your thoughts, George.
2: I think it speaks to his defense in in, you know, the plethora that he gives it to us because he if we're not if you look at the plus minus of plus 27, that's very impressive going, you know, two from eight from the field. But how do you have one turnover and one foul, which is really important because he just didn't give up you know, ridiculous foul sh- you know, shots that, that, the you know, Philly bait and they want so badly because they can't play the game right half the time. But watching him play defense and the way he moves his feet, he's actually got quite a, an open stance. So it's quite hard to blow past him. I'm not saying it's, a, it's impossible, but it is hard to blow past him. But with Max Trish playing the way he is, he he slides in right, you know, that perfect two guard, in my opinion. While Duncan's an amazing Amazing shooter, he, and we've we've rarely seen this talent at, you know, at all. We've seen Steph Curry do what he's done, but I'm not calling Duncan Steph, Steph Curry. I'm just going to put that out there. But at you know the, the way he he, he shoots is, is nothing short of incredible. But when you put Max Drews in there, he offers something that Duncan doesn't have, which is that intimidating reach, and, and and he he works so hard on that defensive end. He he really is you know. One of the guys now, he is one of those, you know, goons down in Miami. He really is, but watching him flourish, watching him play defense, he, you know, when he shut down Jason Tatum close to the end of the season, it was it's perfect. And if he can just keep doing this, those those numbers will go up. But I don't think he. I think there were, I read a stat the other day when when he shoots anything less um, than thirty percent, the next day he ends the next game he ends shooting um, north of. 50-something percent from the field, and he always takes around 8 to 10 shots a game, minimum. So, you know, Max Strux will keep doing what he does, and if he's going to keep playing defense like that, um, it's just going to be perfect.
0: Ray, right, and how about you, Orchard?
1: Um, I, I think I think it's awesome. I would have really loved this. I, I, I just love seeing Strux hit threes, so <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed that he, he didn't make, he uh, had three points, but Still, I, I still thought it was really impressive what his plus minus stat was. That's amazing. And I think one of my biggest concerns for Struce was in him starting the playoffs, especially was his defense. But honestly, you know, it it was gonna be a struggle of defense, whether we were having Robinson or in. But I mean Struess kind of proved me wrong here because he his defense. I mean, I already told this said this before, but he held Harden to one to five shooting. And I I think part of it might be Harden's Has been struggling a little bit, but nevertheless, hey, you you're holding a said superstar at a one to five shooting. That that's amazing, and I love to see his growth. I mean, he's he's been making some pretty big defensive plays throughout the season, especially when we don't expect it in clutch moments. I think, uh, you know, the charge. I think one of you were just talking about um, the Celtics game. He took the charge. He got a couple steals and clutch moments and. I love to see him start stepping up and becoming a better two-way player. And it's nice to know that even if he's struggling offensively, he can provide other aspects to us to help us win games. Right. And that just goes
0: to show how great Miami's development team has been, because for him to go out, I mean, like we said, you know, he didn't have a good game, you know, when you look at the offensive end, but, you know, for him to hold, you know, James Harden to One for five, one of five shooting, and then to have a plus 27 only being behind Giannis, it's just insane, and it just shows how great Miami's development team is. Because keep in mind that nine of our players on this roster right now was undrafted, you know, it just goes to show that the Heat will do whatever it takes to make their team a championship contender and the best part about it is that we don't need to tank we don't need to tank and refer to it as a whole process the way out Philly does it you know and I don't care that MD is playing or not one thing that I'll say I'll say and I want everyone to hear this is that the culture is always going to be better than the process because we're here and we're still competing and even after everything that's happened we're not relying on getting the number one pick. We're not relying on some random ping pong balls to decide our faith as a team. We're going out there. We're competing. We're bringing guys from the streets to play important minutes for us. And all of that is leading to us being at this point of the season, being here in the second round and hopefully the conference finals and beyond. So I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I'd rather be the Heat than I'd rather be any other team who believes that this whole process thing or whatever you want to call it is the way to go, which is kind of garbage. Just literally call it tanking. It's not a process. It's not anything to really hype up. So I'm just saying that because the whole trust the process thing is garbage when you really just should call it trusted tanking or whatever garbage that it should be referred to as. Anyways, that was just my quick rant for the day. Um, but before we close this pod out, I feel like we addressed so much in this game one win for the Heat that it's now time to move on and look ahead to game two. So after seeing the way how both teams performed, what's everyone's expectations as we get ready for the second game? Kick us off, Richard.
1: Um, I think for one thing, we, sh- we I don't want us to have the same first half we did before. And see, my here, this is the thing. When we when we go into blowing leads, I don't have a problem with it if it's in the first half. I know a lot of people get really upset about it, and you know we should be able to keep leads. But I feel like NBA as a whole has just started to develop into a game of runs where you're just gonna have teams go on 19-0 runs, 20-0 runs, 25-0 run, whatever you want to say. It's just gonna happen. It, it doesn't matter which team it is. I feel like I feel I've seen I feel like we've seen so many teams blow leads, whether it's been a Lower ranked team to a higher ranked team, so it's going to happen. My biggest concern when we blow leads is when it's in the fourth quarter or late into the third. And that was that's what that was one of my um, personal issues with the game. I want to say it was game three, yeah, game three against Atlanta, which was we had a big lead in the fourth quarter and we blew it. That's what worries me. If it's happening in the first quarter and second quarter, it's it's really not as big of a deal. It gives momentum to the Sixers, and we don't want that. But this, we know this team can turn a game around in just a couple of minutes and that's what they did last game but i i really don't want to see us turning the ball over so much again we had so many turnovers in the first half and it was just hard it was kind of hard to watch Philly was kind of locking us up can't let that happen um and i'm kind of struggling to th- tell you what to do because we we had so many great things that happened in game one and i honestly say we just replicate it you know i love to see Bam still be as aggressive, Hero taking a lot lot more shots. Um, But, you know, if they don't score as much, I won't be too upset. I just hope that we have other guys like Struis and Vincent who struggled a bit offensively last game, who step up a little bit, maybe putting out 15 points or more. And, you know, besides that, I I don't really have much else to say. I think think we're in good hands. Let's try to take a 2-0 lead because, you know, I I heard that Embiid could come back as early as, uh game three, which I want to just quickly touch on. I don't I I don't see it happening. You guys can give me your thoughts, but I I was reading and you know he had a similar injury a couple of years ago and he was out for three weeks. So to see that he could come back game three, I feel like it's so high it's highly unlikely. I feel like it's being announced just to give hope to a lot of Philly fans. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the soonest we could see him coming back is game five. Um right yeah you guys can give me your thoughts. For me personally,
0: and I'll just quickly talk about that Embiid thing. For me, I, I don't think he should come back. I feel like it's a really risky thing. I feel like if the Heat do end up winning game two, just close it out. Because there's no way I think the Heat are going to blow a 2 nothing lead, especially to Philly of all teams. So if you're Embiid, there's no reason why you should put your body at risk. Just sit it out, get your thumb surgery, take care of you know the orbital fracture, And just get ready for next season, you know, don't put yourself at risk for something that you probably can't save at this point in the season. So just in my opinion, if, if we do win game two, just, just end it for the season,
2: in my opinion. And uh, George, you. Yeah. What I'm looking for in game two is just a more consistent output on, on, you know, the offense side of the ball. And just to, to hold the ball a little better. I, I feel like we turn the ball over way too in way too many really important situations. But let's be honest, our bench is ext- is not even close to being, you know, it's 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 not it's so much better that I can't even put it into words. It really is. There's no comparison there. Our starting lineup we've got the we've got you know the most amazing defensive crew we've had in 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 I don't know how long in ever in P.T. history in my opinion. We've got the best defensive lineup we've ever had. So even without Lowry, I feel like we've got such a great chance of just closing it out at home for us now. Then moving to Philly, uh, but but I don't see where they go from here. I really don't. Look, I, I definitely don't think they're shooting 17 from three next game. I really don't think they're going to turn the ball over 14 times again. Hopefully not. If if, they, if I'm a Philly fan, uh, you know, you hope to God they're not going to do that again. But Tobias Harris already had 27. Max nearly had 20. James Harden's the only person that did. You know, had. The, the opportunity to really take it over and try and give them that thirty piece to get get them over the hump, but James Harden isn't that player anymore. We've seen this. We know this. He isn't that player anymore. He's, he, his Houston days are over, and people like struggle to like understand. But in that system where he was leading the league in in touches per game and 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 ball usage, it was really it was you know, really something to behold when you give a player that much power over a team and to let him go to work 38 minutes or 40 minutes a night, really it is. So I don't think he's going to be able to do what he, he wants against us. He's foul baiting will only work as much as possible. They can, you know, Philly fans can cry all they want about it, but I, I don't see where they go from here. Unless Tyrus Maxey gives them like 48, I don't think they're going to, they're going to really have a great chance, but I'm not going to count them out. I don't make predictions. You know, I'm, to give guarantees. I guarantee we're gonna play hard. I guarantee we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try and close it out. We want this more than they do. And and they're so demoralized without Embiid. I even, even with Embiid, I still think we have a really, really great chance of trying. you know closing it out in five. Without the, him, I, I really don't see how they win a game, let alone, you know, make the series interesting. But look, we'll see what happens. It's you know, we've got a lot of fun against you know had a lot of really good times a lot of really scary times as well. But Look, just hoping for a quick recovery from both, you know, Lowry and Embiid. As much as people don't like to hear it, I like to have a a fair series. And you know, when you leave, when you take out, you know, our point guard, our entire game changes, and that they, they're getting rid of their well, they have don't have their the so all star caliber, all star MVP, everything like that. So he, you know, speed recovery from both of them. But I think that we've got more than enough than what it takes to to really take it out,
0: Ray... Overall, you know, you know, I already gave my opinions about Embiid, but for game two, I expect the Heat to come out and win it because I expect Spo to look back at game one, see whatever adjustments he has to make to, you know, make this an even e- easier one for the Heat. So we'll see what happens, you know. But overall, you know, like I said, culture over process. So I want another good win for the Heat and just take care of business when we head to Philly for games three and four. That so,
1: needs to be a hashtag, well, huh? That needs to be a hashtag process or culture over, culture uh, over process. process. I mean, <laughs> <it> could, <laughs> that could be,
0: you know. I mean, cause it's true, but you know, we gotta make that trend. So, hashtag culture over process. Let's make that a thing, y'all. But um, anyways, we talked so much on today's episode that before we close it out. Make sure to follow our Twitter and Instagram page at Podcast. while checking out our website at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content, even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode because we'll be recording a new episode after every playoff victory for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least 11 more episodes to record before we officially wrap up season two of Heat versus the World. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast, and we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out thank you for listening
1: and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the heat versus the world podcast